Welcome to the first episode. Bear with me for these first couple episodes as I work out all the kinks and the technical difficulties that I'm bound to run into. One of them being that the audio for this podcast, for a large portion of the conversation, was being picked up through my earphones. And uh, I didn't realize that until I, I listened back to it. For some reason, I thought it was going to be picked up through my phone's mic. And you can hear me a couple times. There's just kind of a static. That's because the earphone was falling out of my ear. I've since learned how to properly put them in my ear. They're new, before you judge me too hard for that. Uh, they were new, and I didn't realize how they're supposed to fit in my ear. I know now. Second, uh, the intro sounds, they might change a little bit for these first couple podcasts while I try to figure out the one I want to do or the one I want to use. Um, suggestions are always more than welcome if you want to quickly play something so I can use it as a intro theme. That would be more than welcome. Um, and you can submit that through the little voicemail you can do through Anchor. And you can also submit voicemails just in questions and comments through that as well that I can use on the podcast um, and kind of answer questions. I mean, the podcast is like a week and a half old, so I'm sure there's not too many questions yet. But if you have any of them, you're more than welcome to submit them through the Anchor app. So my first guest is Zacharias Armengol. He is an instructor with kids with, on the autism spectrum. He was an officiant for my wedding, and he was also the MC. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other since about second year of university. Um, so it's like whew, eight years now. God, I feel old saying that. Uh, so we talk a lot about his work and what he does and kind of how he got to his job because it's a, it's a bit of a story. He, he didn't graduate university um, knowing he was going to be working with kids. Um, so without further ado, here's the always interesting Zacharias Armengol. Welcome, Zach, to uh, my first episode where I have someone other than me talking. Um, the last one, the preview episode, I was just mostly talking to myself, so I'm, I'm sure anybody listening is going to appreciate the sound of someone else's voice, so it doesn't sound like a crazy person, uh, just, just ranting off. Um, so yeah, how are you doing? Man, um, I'm honored to be uh, your first guest on your first podcast. Um, you know, I was pretty touched by, uh, you know, being some sort of pro, uh, part of the thought process in, uh, in the creation there. Um, so yeah, just, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's my first time being sort of interviewed, I guess, or as a guest of a podcast. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do this together. We'll pop each other's cherries together. It'll be a good oh, time. Oh, man, you went there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, marked it, I marked it as explicit, so oh. you can kind of say whatever you want, only because I have a tendency to swear uh, so easily and just so fluently, and it just drops in my conversation. I don't want to have to go back and say things over again, so don't feel like you have to tame it down at all. Um, we're all mature. Like I said, the, the first episode is... If you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it. That's cool, but we'll agree that we'll agree to disagree. Um, but that's um, just kind of who I am. I swear. You good? Yeah. Sorry, that was uh, that was my partner wishing us uh, good luck on the interview or in the podcast. <laughs> no worries. I'll have to. I'll, I'll I'll listen to it again and see if it if it makes sense. And I'll leave it in. <laughs> um. So yeah, you're you're doing well. I saw you. You made coffee. Using a mortar and pestle? No, you know what? I actually spent the morning uh, look 
going over questions that you may have for me and stuff like that. So I actually cheated and um, I just uh, doing tea instead. Oh, nice. What what kind of tea are you drinking? Uh, Green tea. It's just good. good. All right. So (laughs) let's just uh, let's just jump into it. So for anybody that doesn't know what you do for work, what do you do for work? Well, that's uh, that's a great question. Um, I work with families who have uh, children with um, learning disabilities or mental health disorders, uh, primarily with uh, autism spectrum disorder. Um, So what my title is, is I'm an instructor therapist. So meaning I I'm the front line. I'm the person with your child implementing a behavioral intervention plan. Um, and then additionally, I'm there to support the parents or the caregivers in, in coaching um, either after the session or even like right in the middle of the session. All right, right. Here's a learning opportunity. You're going to we're going to work through this together and I'm going to help you. Um and then, with all that, I I make notes and I collect data, and that, and that's the and that's the biggest thing uh, about what I do is if the data shows that they're not improving in a particular skill or their problem behaviors are not decreasing, we evaluate, we look at it again, and we adjust, pivot, and to make sure that that trend goes in the direction that we wanted to does that uh answer your question a little bit yeah i think that that covers it so you like uh you're not like a nanny right you're not staying with them a full day it's 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 certain that i think it's an hour session you do with with each child every day well that depends on on the ability of the families so uh i work in at home with them so sometimes that's that's four hours other times it's an hour and a half so um, definitely more so between that range, between an hour and a half to four hours with, uh, with a family. Okay. And then you, do you do just auto, like children with autism? Or I know you had mentioned all kind of uh, mental health um, situations, but uh, it, it seems like you're kind of focused with, with kids with autism. Is that kind of your specialty, if you will? Or is it, uh, yeah, that, do, do you focus on, is there any other... Well, that, that's the, the demographic that seeks our services the most. Um, and it, it's kind of a, a trend in, in the field that it caters more towards um, children and youth um, on the spectrum. However, um, the work that I do, because it's behavior, right? It, it can be implemented for um, a variety of disorders, even head trauma, um, you can, there's um, organizational behavior. So behavior in the workplace. Um, Zach, how do I get people to punch, uh, punch in on time? All right. So um, there, so my field that like, you can, you can apply it even into um, economic principles too, uh, savings, et cetera. Uh, so, but yes, essentially what people hire us for are for children. Um, with a variety of uh, 
mental health disorders or exceptionalities. Predominantly being, yeah, the predominant one being autism. Yeah. So when we met back in university, I remember you were studying psychology. And how did you end up in the field you're currently in? Because I don't think I remember you saying that when, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I don't remember you saying, hey, I'm going to, my name's Zach, and I'm going to work with kids with autism in 10 years. Um, it kind of seems like you, you've had quite a career path, I guess. <laughs> you've done quite a few different things. So did, do you want to take us through how you, how you went from kind of like when we met, you're in, you're in school studying psychology and how you ended up uh, in the spot that you are? Because it's quite the story. Um, yeah, um, man. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the short and, and the sweet of it. Um, hopefully it, it, it doesn't eat up too much time. <laughs> um, we've, we've got all the time in the world We're currently getting snowed on. And I think it's at a foot and a half now. Yeah. So we've got all the time in the world. You don't have to worry about yeah, that. That's, that's, that's fair. Um, so yeah, we met when, uh, at Carleton university, go Ravens. Um, and I, I was studying psychology. So like my initial thoughts with the job were that um, I would do something like addictions therapy um, or um, go into more uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, but after graduating, I, I said, you know what? I'm just going to take whatever job I can and, and travel the world. And uh, I just did that on and off uh, for, gosh, uh, we're in 2021 now. So I, I did that for, for about three years, actually. Um, so I went to worked on a farm in BC for food and board. I, uh, I went to Thailand. I hung out in a vineyard in Italy and uh, traveled up and down Italy. Um, yeah. I remember the, uh, the Italy one when we tell people or we told people that, yeah, this is, uh, our buddy Zacharias works on a, well, he worked on a, a vineyard in Italy making Italian wines. Everybody's <laughs> like, Oh my God, how did, how did he end up there? But, yeah, it's uh, like I said, you've got quite the story of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, and so and then I, I just come back to good old Ontario and uh, I would just work my butt off to fund uh, the next adventure or the next idea. Right. Um, and. Mm -hmm. One, the sort of the last, what, what kept me here was as I was working like three jobs, I was doing construction, I was working in a kitchen and then doing reception at an office uh, because I, I was just taking whatever I could because I knew I'd, I was going to travel somewhere else. But then my, uh, my mother uh, got invited to a ball and she invited me along and I was like, man, a ball. Well, that sounds fancy. All right, let's, uh, let's go. And what ended up happening that the event was, uh, fundraising for a nonprofit. 
um, that does the work that I do now. And uh, a child from that organization that was sponsored by the, the hosts of the ball came up and, and gave a speech. So this child had been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And with that, the, some of the two main deficits, uh, if you will, of autism spectrum disorder, so ASD, are social and communication skills. And so when this child started with this organization, they were nonverbal. They had the ability to speak, but they were not speaking. Um, and through behavioral analysis and intervention, got them to the point where that child was now in front of a room of 200 or so people cracking jokes and saying a, a full speech. Uh, and I thought, you know what? That's it. That, that right there is how I want to make an impact in the world. Um, and that's, that's how I want to make a difference. And so I, uh, I got a hold of the, the nonprofits HR and went for an interview and they, that organization is what got my foot in the door and uh, been doing it since. Yeah. So it seems like one of those things where it's, uh, it's not something you're necessarily looking for, but you kind of fall, fall into it and you, you feel something inside you that goes like, this is what I, this is, this is what I need to do or what I want to do. Um, what I'm and it doesn't, it doesn't really say they have to be like a nonprofit, but it, it, it could have been anything. But in this case, it was a, uh, it was the nonprofit. Right? 100%. So basically what I was, my goal with all that travel was to once like just see different parts of the world and, and do different things. But on top of that, find something that really pulls me in, into a career path or, or, uh, or something that I'm passionate about that I would like to dedicate my, my life to in, in a way, because we, we do dedicate our lives to, to our work, um, whether we choose the work that we do or, or not. Um, but other times it, it finds us, but we have to go out there and, and be open to the opportunity to, for it to find us and us, for us to find it. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, that's what what had happened and uh just kind of like a a happy accident <laughs> <laughs> i think that describes pretty much as as we get older it's kind of how everybody's going to start describing how they found their career is kind of a happy accident right. i find everybody went to school they went to post-secondary and they're like i'm gonna i mean i went to school for business and i thought i was going to be working at a hedge fund um like you said you thought you'd be working with addictions and that's not anywhere close to the the turns our, our lives took. And uh, I was talking with a friend of mine recently that he, he does, um, I think it's policy advisory in the cannabis section of the government of yeah. Canada. And uh, I do procurement of submarines essentially, uh, which is just buying submarines for the submarine parts for the military. And he's like, man, I would never have guessed that either of these jobs existed, let alone existed within the government. But I mean, here we are um, almost 10 years out of school, which is uh, 10 years out of high school, which feels big for us. Um, yeah. So I'm going to quickly go back. You mentioned just the, how did you find the Italy 
experience like how i'm I'm sure there's going to be at least one person who's going to ask the question like zach i want to be on a farm in italy you know learning the tricks of the trade to make wine but i don't know where to start do i google it do i just call up a random italian uh italian farm and see if they've they've got it how did you find uh that job that that one month in italy uh so i found it through an organization called uh worldwide organic opportunities in farming so it's called it's uh the acronym is like w-w-o-o-f so like woof and the people that do it are called woofers and and the verb is woofing uh, and it's a, a an opportunity where you get to be your food and lodging is taken care of as long as you dedicate so many hours to your host and what you do. But there, there are other organizations out there um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be farming. Uh, there's like work away or other places. So yeah, you just essentially Google volunteering opportunities for room and board and uh, go go from that uh, be careful do your homework and your research of the countries you're going to and of the website itself but that that's that's how i found it <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> googling yeah. one day um so we'll go back to your to your current occupation <laughs> your current working with uh, working with the mm-hmm. kids with autism so how how has covid impacted what you were what you're doing because i think originally before covid you'd go into the house um, pretty regularly of multiple people. And I'd, I'd imagine COVID's kind of not necessarily stopped that as I'm sure there's, there's now protocols in place, but I'm sure there is a bit of a wrench in the tire uh, aspect that you kind of had to, you had to work out. So how, how has COVID impacted what you're doing now? So um, luck, luckily for me, I am now with uh, Horizons Behavior Consulting and we, we do home visits and with that, as long and I have to take precautions in, in my circle, so I I'm always wearing a mask, always sanitizing, clearing all the surfaces that I come into contact with to gain the confidence and, and the trust of the families that invite me to their home. Where COVID has really impacted that, because I don't work at a large center, kind of like a like as if you, like the same sort of situation as a school where multiple like parents are coming in. So let, let's say you have one child, but both parents drop, pick up and drop off, not including staff or whatnot. All of a sudden you have 150 people in a, in a single building, right? At a certain point, dropping off their kids, but then mm-hmm. add the 50 employees to those 50 mm-hmm. kids. Now you're at 200 people in a, in a single space. Uh, in the morning and in the afternoon luckily for me it, it's it's just the families in their own bubbles in their own homes but where covid throws a wrench in that is if i have a family that contracts covid or uh i'm feeling under the weather then i have to worry about myself being the carrier for other families and in some way kind of paralyzes me from continuing to do direct work. However, you have to be able to pivot. Well, with any organization, I'm sure all businesses are doing this right now. 
like restaurants with the take curbside pickup and delivery or businesses just doing curbside pickup where I do coaching with the parents online and they'll, I'll say, this is what's going on and we'll, we'll have a conversation and I'll try uh, my best to help. And then I follow up later on and see if what I've suggested had worked or if it didn't, and we need to adjust in, in that regard. So yeah, it, it, COVID is just really paralyzing uh, for a lot of organizations. And, and despite the mobility of mine and flexibility where I'm just a single person, not in contact with a lot of people, uh, if one of my families gets sick or tests positive, I have to go and get tested. I've, I've been tested so many times that the nurses saw me and they're like, weren't you here last week? <laughs> um, I had you know, somebody tested positive in uh, my workplace. I got to go. Uh, but luckily, um, no. And so I could continue on with other families. But if I'm not exhibiting symptoms nowadays, mm-hmm. I have to wait until the results of the family. Therefore, I can't serve other families and I'm isolated until that time. So it's it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a real conundrum. Yeah, it's uh, and those tests aren't fun. I could not imagine having to do more than one. I've got one done, and that was an unpleasant enough experience. But uh, having to do more than one and pretty regularly would not be fun. So when you first meet a kid, right? So I don't know how you're assigned it. When you first go and you meet the meet the the kid, what are you looking for, and how do you develop that you're going to first um, first try with the child? I'm assuming it's not a one size fits all thing. It's going to be, you're going to walk in and you're going to see maybe cues or um, stories from the parents and you're going to develop the strategy. So how, how do you go about doing that? Well, right off the bat with you're building a relationship. So right off the bat, what I'm really doing is, is playing. And, and that's going to be a theme that will probably come up a lot during uh, this podcast or this podcast episode is that um, I'm going to use play a lot. And where, what I mean by play is that it exhibits so many different skills and can tell me so much about the child itself. Whereas when we first start off, the, the family is contacting us and we have a general sense of what they want to work on or what are particular issues they're having. And so um, I, I play with the child and in, in, in that play, we can see the child's strengths across different domains, such as communication, social play, physical, self-help. And then if we see, when we can evaluate the second part is if there's any problem behaviors that occur. Uh, So, and with that, and with just doing a play, it's not, not running in there and I'm saying, all right, grab this pencil and go do this maze from A to B. Um, Or, doing math and reading and stuff like that is it's all fun. It's all played because it's, it's really, you're just trying to make a a first impression with the child 
that you're there to help and be this this addition to to their life and hopefully an impactful one so that so Mm -hmm. to answer your question we're looking at their strengths and weaknesses and then understanding the reasoning behind any problem behavior through play and from that we we can go and we can do more standardized assessments later on but the first thing the first thing is we're building a relationship and so and and that's what i tell parents so like we're you're gonna i'm gonna come into your home and i'm gonna play with your child and get to know your child because that is the is the first part of this i cannot do anything if the child doesn't like me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's very it's a very good point how long does it normally take for you to kind of develop that relationship i mean every kid's probably different but do you find it takes a month two months two weeks before you you notice the kids starting to really kind of have that relationship with you where they're open to um being coached essentially by you 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 know what i i think i'll i'll use it in a in a to a level of of depth I'm always trying to strengthen and build the relationship with the child that I serve. And what, so after that first meeting, we build on that in the second one. I am now taking some of the assessments and the things that I've witnessed, and I am manipulating my environment in a way that fosters these skills and continuing on that while building the relationship. And so the, as time progresses, the depth of it, the, the rate or um, how much that relationship grows, like you said, is dependent on, on the child and uh, how good I, I do my job. And so there, there are, there are some, instructional therapists that can just click immediately with a child. And there are some that it just doesn't work out in it it, because it's a relationship and you have to be aware of that. Sometimes it it just, it's not a good fit. And hopefully you're with an organization or with a supervisor that can recognize that and adjust accordingly. Or sometimes it's even down to the rec, uh, the re- request of the parents that they would prefer a certain gender or somebody with so much experience or somebody with a particular language skill. And sometimes you, that filters you right out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that that's mainly... Um, how that relationship evolves in in my relationship with my clients. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there are other factors that that will impede that, and COVID being one of them. Access to continue services. It, it is a job, and uh, some some people are funded through the you know, Ontario government. Others are, are doing it out of pocket, and, and or you know they move or. Uh, get posted somewhere else or something happens and we have to discontinue and that ends. And that's where sort of that relationship ends. Uh, But Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's so how it, how it progresses. For a uh, for a child that moves, is there like a handoff that you might do with if they've identified um, like uh, a similar worker kind of? So if if I've got a kid in Ottawa and he's working mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. and I move to Toronto, is do you do you typically get a request to almost do like a handoff to the new uh, the the new kind of um, the new person taking care of the kid, the new kind of coach to the kid, or is it is it more of a good luck? Um, I, he's doing well. Have fun. <laughs> Sometimes, and but there, there's kind of a a sense of. Well, let's evaluate now, because if they've mm-hmm. been taught a particular set of skills and in that transition, maybe it take you a month or two months to move to Toronto and you haven't had services for two months. Your that skill may not have been practiced. And so by the time they get to the next organization and they contact us and say, hey, we'd love to see your assessments. One, the parents would have to sign off on that to share because we're not going to share that information unless mm-hmm. it's been signed off by parents and all the confidentiality forms are signed. That aside, if they request that and we provide it, they still may not exhibit that skill with them because maybe it hasn't been generalized to other people. My relationship is really strong with that client and they don't have a relationship. So they may not exhibit that same skill with somebody new. So you almost have to kind of start off from scratch. It doesn't mean like all is lost, but you will still have to redo those tests and assessments that the previous organization had done beforehand just to see where they're at right now in that particular current moment. And sort of that's what I like about the work that I do is it's very data driven that mm-hmm. we will we like we will look at the graphs and we can say, OK, they were here and they dropped over here. We can bring them back up and it may be just like a quick incline. Uh, however, it, there could be a slow decrease in, in something. But the thing is, is that they're going to redo all these tests, get the data and give themselves a, a great snapshot of what's going on, and what they need to do. And they'll do the same thing. They'll fight, they'll save the strengths. They'll see the weaknesses and start over again. And that's what's happened. And th- sometimes there is a bit of that here. Let's hear. But I think every organization sort of, I don't know if I'm using this word right, a type of uh, tribalism where we do things a particular way. While the the theories and methodologies and assessments are all standardized and and, and the same, but we want our people to look at it. We want to see it from our eyes. Because uh, if a child does something for me, but doesn't do it with you, do they really have the skill? Is a is a is a real question. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what happens is that we start from scratch, essentially, but mm-hmm. evaluating their new skills if they have it or not. Hopefully, building upon the previous therapist's work mm-hmm. would be the goal. Hopefully, if if, uh, if if the child's exhibited a skill, and that even if mm-hmm. it's not at the same level that the previous therapist 
said it was at if 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 it's there you can build upon it kind of thing right yeah cool um so there's got to be lots of families who can't get the same level of help that your team provides um what would what what advice would you have for them Ooh. so it's kind of a loaded question i know i i want to address the first part of that question there are a lot of families out there <laughs> that can't get the same level of help our team provides so in my line of work burnout is extremely high in almost three years of working in this field i've seen Mm-hmm. probably over 30 peers leave the field entirely. They didn't do any parallel jumps. They didn't go towards other things related. They just left completely. And so mm-hmm. while there is or while there are systemat- uh, systemic challenges to families accessing services, such as financing, because it, it's expensive because I am part of a team of interdisciplinary individuals that are, sorry, professionals that are providing services to my client. For example, speech language pathology, occupational therapy. You may have others involved too, pediatricians, right? Uh, psychologists mm-hmm. and behavioral therapists. Well, that would be considered my, my supervisor, but then me on top as an instructional therapist. So that adds so much. And then the time involved in that too. But then with this high burnout rate from organization to organization, the experience may differ depending on the severity of the behavioral issues that a client might exhibit to the experience that those employees have have been exposed to also. So if you're an organization that's been working with very uh, high-functioning children and they accept somebody that's maybe on the other end of the spectrum and they have no experience with that, but they have experience with autism itself, it, it, it kind of will show. And so it's, it's important as if, if you do go, if you have the ability and you have the funding and the potential to just do your research, because not every organization is, is going to be the same and the experiences will differ. And it's just important to do your research and talk to other parents that are there, uh, do your own homework. But then the Going back to your original question, what advice? (laughs) So, like, what can I tell? The biggest thing, the difference that I've seen is engagement. And it's tough. And and I empathize with, with parents or families that, are engaged because on top of COVID they're, they're working, they're trying to manage a household and their families and then all these appointments, and then they have to advocate for their child. It's super difficult. But what I've found is that those highly engaged 
parents are create an opportunity for their children to increase their skills and abilities far more than others' parents that may not be as engaged. So I find that by doing your research, looking into it, applying the evidence-based advice from professionals. Sorry? Nope, go ahead. Oh, from uh, just applying the advice from professionals will, and, and that's why we do at-home sessions, because you can give me a child and I will teach them all these skills, but I'm not with them 24 seven. But if we go into a home and we teach a, a parent these skills, they can continue this trend and go forward. So basically is, and then I'm, I'm sorry, I go, I go on these, on these tangents here, Ryan. Uh, with your <laughs> I do too. And it's perfectly fine. <laughs> What, what I'm trying to say is be engaged. Engaged with your child. Be engaged with the professionals that are trying to help. And even if you can't access that for whatever systemic or personal reasons may be, there are uh, resources available. So you can go onto the website of your local children's hospital and you will find resources and support networks available, even reading material. But also for more so for, I'm gonna speak on more so uh, children that are on, on the spectrum, that even engaging with them more through play will increase their skill level so much and there's a, a great book that i would recommend it's called an early start for your children with autism so using everyday activities to help kids connect communicate and learn and it's written by uh, rogers dawson and vismera they're all doctors of psychology pretty sure of psychology psychiatry psychiatry and a board-certified behavioral analyst doctor, a clinical research scientist. So those are the kind of people that read this book. And, and it's pretty family-friendly. And it's all just about using everyday activities to teach skills for children. And, and these are out there and, and available. Uh, additionally, I actually have a friend that I think sh you should chat with one day, Ryan. Um, her name is Alex Norton, and she has a Facebook page and an Instagram page called Leading with Love Play Therapy. And uh, she's a Carleton graduate, too. Like I said, go Raven. <laughs> so um, she, knows, she knows she's good then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I may be biased. I may be biased. Um, and <laughs> she's uh, an MA counseling student and, and soon to be certified play therapist. And, and there is research that, that supports the work that they do. And she's offering advice on just even like free play 
and engagement with your kids and how you can help with even emotional disorders, anxiety, depression, stress, uh, to through play and you can minimize their impact through that, through that engagement. And so if you, if you go onto her blog, you'll see some of the tips and advice and, the, and these are all free. And additionally, you can contact other support networks, either th- through Facebook, like Facebook or Instagram or uh, through the, the local children's hospital. And you can get advice from, from peers, from other people going through it. I think what COVID has really made people feel is like, is that they're alone. And parents always wonder, like, is my kid always going to be like this? I, I'm, I feel so alone in this. And you're not alone. There are other families out there that are going, experiencing the same thing in a variety of different ways. But there are, there are networks out there that will help and can provide tips and ideas or even resources or how to get funding and, and things like that. There's also coordinators too, to give you the resources and access you need. So basically parents reach out, however that may be, and be engaged in, in what in your child's life. Mm-hmm. That will I think that's good advice for any parent really. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Which kind of leads me to my next question was that a lot of parents are now working full time and at the same time they're playing the role of teacher and caregiver. We've got these lockdowns going on that are are shutting schools. Kids are at home for a month or two straight and then over the summer often a lot of times parents will will have the kids at home Um, and we're seeing a lot more of the virtual learning where the, the parents are more actively involved in their kids learning. What type of problems could you see coming out of that in kind of the um mental health of children but also what are the benefits that you could see from that as well because I, I can think of uh, I can think of a couple whereas the the kid might learn how to cook um, before they ever move out and a lot of the times people move out from home when they're 18 19 20 and they can't actually really cook much for themselves um, you know they might experience what it's like to actually do groceries with their with their parents a little bit more what are some of the benefits that you could see and again problems as well from that Okay, there, there's there's a few things in there that I'll that I'll try to unravel and, and answer. The, the first being the the new dynamic in the household. The children are at home and instead of going to school, so the routine is is challenged and completely gone out the window. One, one advice to parents trying to manage this is is to create a routine, create a schedule, give some semblance of normalcy to your home. You can't control what's going outside the world right now because we're locked down, it's snowing and uh, thousands of people are dying. Can't control that. But you can just give a little bit of structure and control to your everyday life. One detriment to that new changed relationship between uh, the child and the parents 
is that now the parents have an additional role as a teaching assistant. So, and what I mean by how that's a detriment is that through giving constant, and I'll, I'll give you some examples. Uh, for example, sit in your chair, pay attention to your teacher, do your work. Parents are, are constantly giving these demands and, and these things. And, and so what ends up happening is the child sort of tunes it out. On top of the additional, do your dishes, make your bed, get dressed, get ready, let's go eat your breakfast. That would typically occur in the household. There's all of a sudden these additional demands. What I would, on the flip side, the benefit is that you do have so much time to build and strengthen that relationship. What the shift is, is how you approach your new life in, in quarantine. Meaning as opposed to saying, sit down, do your work, pay attention. You can also praise your child. Even if they've sat for 30 seconds. I love that you came to the table. Great job sitting so nicely with your feet on the ground. I love how you participated with your teacher. Great job answering question one. Let's keep going and answer question two. So it, it really turns it on its head in a way, as opposed to this very demanding and sort of style to more of a appreciative and, and praising. And all of a sudden the child is going to react to that differently. And like anybody would, if you go into your workplace and your boss is just telling you what to do and how to do it, right? You're eventually going to leave as an adult. You have that option if it's, if it's not a healthy workplace and mm -hmm. the boss is potentially maybe abusive, but as if opposed to the flip side, Ryan, I love how you filled that how you filled that order for that new submarine part. Those propellers, great mm -hmm. purchase. You did it under budget. That's amazing. What are you gonna do for your boss now? You're gonna do so much more, right? You're like, man, thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna get that praise again. I'm gonna get those kudos. And. Mm -hmm. The, the challenge with parents is just to flip the language and it, all it is is a language shift. But you're going to get so much more. Sure, you will have to ask your kid to sit down, and eat their breakfast, open the laptop, turn it on, all these demands. But you can also praise them for doing it themselves, getting ready, so on and so on. And what I've so what the challenge is, is to just change the language and tell kids that they're you're doing a good job. Life is hard right now. And like, you're really doing the best you can. And I, and that's awesome. Keep it up, buddy. And you'll see, you'll see a mm -hmm. world of kind difference. Of, so embrace the positivity rather well, than yeah. uh, you can still have the demands of, you know, Hey, do your homework, but also embrace the positivity. Yeah. Ad additionally, it was just like, even if they're doing their homework and they open up, hey, thank, thanks for listening, right? 
So balance, mm-hmm. balance, because what, what's ended up happening is now with this additional role, and also people are working from home too, and they're with their spouse more often, and they're with their kids 24-7, and poor mom and dad just need a break. But they, but they don't got one right now because we're now locked in place. It's not a lockdown. It's a locked in place. <laughs> um, and so they're stressed. And the biggest thing is also to take care of yourself. Right? You want to make an impact. Or you want to lessen this for your kids, for yourself. And so take care of yourself. We're allowed to go out for exercise, reach out, talk to other moms, talk to other dads, dads especially, talk to other dads. You're not alone, like, and that's another theme. Just, if you need that five minutes, take it. Although kids won't give you five minutes though, they'll, they'll come put their fingers underneath the door as you're in the bathroom and be like, are you done yet? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but if you can take that opportunity and, and just, look reflect on your language with it are you are you issuing more demands than praise just look at that i'll I'll leave it at that yeah no i think uh, i think that's a really good point it's it's kind of the the gottman principles if i'm not mistaken and that's that's completely different that's in relationships and that's um counseling for relationships but it's very similar to that too where you've got the um the Gottman Institute. I think I've talked to you about that before. You have talked to me about it, but my familiarity comes from you. So, um, oh. but yeah, I'm the uh, everything's related. I'm the specialist on this one. Yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 similar. Where you want to be, um, I think they say something like uh, specifically for marriages, they last the the longer lasting marriages. It's like a five to one ratio of positive to negative uh, speech. So instead of always being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you haven't done the dishes again or, you know, take your socks off the, the furnace. They don't have to be there. They're done drying um, versus like, oh, thank you for doing a dish. Beautiful today. Oh, wow. The way those pants fit you. Damn. Um, I think it's a, they say it's a five to one ratio that, that uh, when they monitor a couple, if you've got five positive five for every positive kind of uh, it's a five to one trying to describe it, but I think I've described a five to one positive to negative kind of speech or sayings or thing um, tends to be the, the sweet spot. So I imagine it's very similar for kids where if you've got a very positive upbringing, like, wow, Timmy, on question one, you know what? Good try on question two. You didn't get it, but good try. You, you, you gave your best. Um, I wouldn't be or kind of uh, ratio of positivity, positivity, to negativity instead of just yelling at them to go shuffle the driveway. Yeah. But also you can take it as an opportunity just to be with your kid because come 18, 19, and if you've said four negative things to one positive thing, they're out the door and that's it. You Like that mm-hmm. relationship is done. Or sooner, depending. Because what also this pandemic... I was going to say... Yeah? So... I was going to say, it's usually it's 14-ish. I think they start to become a teenager and close up, right? Yeah. Just kind of get that separation uh, from their family and, and get that individuality and autonomy for themselves. And you can foster that through 
through that relationship that you've spent time since early childhood and through your communication style. Uh, and it, it's work. Relationships are work. And you just got to put the time in, but whether it be with your spouse or with your child or with your coworker or friend. And you and I have mm-hmm. talked about that time and time again. Although there are relationships that you can leave like a cactus and water it every once in a while, but it'll still be there. There are others that are a little bit more, take more time consuming and, and more need more effort and, and love. But it's up to us to recognize that and to be understanding of the individual needs. And we need to be understanding of the individual needs of our child. But right now we're so stressed with uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, Just turn on the news and you'll see a decline in your mental health. And I don't have the studies to show that, but it's, I'm pretty sure there are out there that would prove that theory. Uh, you watch feel go crazy. I think I think we all have those people that we know on our social medias, uh, specifically Facebook, that um, you you can see a difference from when this pandemic started where we are now in the way that they're posting. And it's like, man, you just got to get off. I don't care what you're doing, but stop watching the news. It's going to put something good on the news. It's it tends to be the doom and gloom because that's what gets clicks. That's what gets eyeballs. And same with Facebook is, I mean, you can go listen to another person who's posted a Facebook video of them ranting in their car about whatever their thoughts on this pandemic are, or you just quickly listen to the doctor. The doctor says, you know what guys, we need to, we need to take this thing under control. You go, okay, cool. I'm going to listen to the doctor and I'm going to go for a walk outside for 15 minutes in the snow because it's beautiful and it's coming down, not heavy or, hey, I've got like 14 books that I've just got sitting around that just need to be read. So I'm going to go read that instead of sitting here mindlessly scrolling through Facebook. Because I don't think I've ever um, been on social media and then an hour later gone like, wow, I'm so glad I spent an hour scrolling through my Facebook feed, scrolling through Instagram, you know, (laughs) watching stories on Snapchat. I I challenge anybody to tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, five minutes, five minutes. Sure, I I will give that five to ten minutes. Like, actually, I was kind of happy I logged in. You know, my cousin's got a brand new baby girl. I got to see the new pictures that she posted. That was pretty cute. I'm kind of happy I checked in. But after like an hour, you're not sitting there going like, I am such a better person now. Unless I don't know what your like what your feeds like. Um, that's impressive. But uh, typically, it's the opposite for a book. You read an hour of a book and either if it's a short enough book, you might've finished that book and you go, that was kind of fun. I'm, I feel, you know, I, I feel good. I enjoyed the book. I, I read two, three, four chapters of a book. I feel accomplished. Um, you know, if it's a nonfiction book, you've got new ideas that you've added to your repertoire. Uh, you might've challenged yourself or if you're like me, I've got a James book, uh, James Bond book on the go. And, uh, you're just like, that's just fun. It's like an action movie essentially that you're reading at your own pace, in your own head. Um, or you've, you're reading Game of Thrones and you've, you read for four hours straight. And you're like, you know, I put a slight dent into this book. Cool. Um, but I've never, I've never heard of anybody spending hours on social media going like, this is great for my social, for my, uh, for my mental health. Speaking of which, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on parents who tend to use, uh, if, if they're using, say, TV as their kind of babysitter? 
I can't really speak too much to that because I do not have a child and my dog doesn't really watch TV. But, um, you know, I, I, what would be the difference in a child's mental health if they get, you know, maybe an hour or two of TV and the rest of the day they're out with their parents, you know, running around outside, uh, playing with Legos in the garage with their dad, helping with the car and stuff like that versus a kid plopped in front of the TV for a, a couple hours because, you know, mom and dad wanted to just sit quietly for a couple hours straight. Is, is Do you know of any any problems with that, you know, using technology to raise your kids? Oh, that's, that's loaded. Um, and I, I think what I will say to that is I'll, I'll have, I'll have families that will say like, I know like my, my house should be cleaner and, I shouldn't be, you know, letting my kid watch so much TV. And what what I hope to say to those parents is, and try to say, like, it's it's okay if you need a break, and you just need Jimmy to sit and watch TV for a second while you take a nap. Right, so uh, in, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm taking the perspective away from the child's benefit, but the benefit for the parent is is great if they if t- television offers them that opportunity to mm-hmm. take that moment to just be an adult with their significant other or just some alone time for themselves or even to just take a nap with their child as their child is entertained and watching TV and not too worried mm-hmm. about it. There was a study That's... done by, um, oh man, I'm gonna butcher it. I hope not to butcher it, but there was a study done looking at Sesame Street I think in uh, the 80s and 90s or 80s or 90s. And what they found was so Sesame Street being educational and engaging with children and whatnot. What they found was literacy rates in, in children had increased for certain kids that were exposed to a certain amount of Sesame Street uh, throughout in their childhood. And so there, there's, a mo- there's an opportunity there for education. We are st- right now in this pandemic, children are getting educated from a screen anyways. I think mm-hmm. what the, the question is what are you showing your children on television? And well, yes, they will develop so many more different skills and a variety of diverse skills by engaging with their parents, as you said, building Legos with dad or helping mom cook and and stuff like that. Like those are very important and, and functional skills that will translate into more skills. But I think more so the question is the the content of what the child is watching. 
obviously I'm not going to, because being sedentary in, and watching for over two hours, I, I wouldn't recommend that. And because sitting is the new smoking nowadays, you're just not moving your body and it's not, it's not helpful for your cognitive development. But so my answer is if, if you need a break, if you need just a quick time, do it. Use, use television, make it educational, make it informative. And there's tons of programs that are out there that cater to children um, or mm-hmm. use it as a reward. This is your favorite TV show, Jimmy. You did such a good job with cleaning up your room in the morning and doing your work in the afternoon. Here, why don't you watch your favorite show? It's on right now. So you can mm-hmm. use it in, in that regard. The thing is, is to have technology, use technology instead of having technology use us. And so the uh, TV nanny, yeah, they, you, you don't, I would not recommend that for parents. But every, what I've found is every situation is, is unique to the child um, and, and the, that individual household. So it, it's, in the end, it's, it's really hard for me to comment on on the particular benefit there there are benefits and there are detriments and uh, you have to take it from on a, on a case-by-case basis so what i'm hearing is everything is good in moderation essentially it's like anything well, else yeah. it's it's good in moderation if it's good if it's a good quality but if you're just uh junk in junk out right right for example um so it kind of leads me oh go ahead for, for example, reading, right? While reading might be great, if you're reading the gossip magazine in the, those little, when you're buying groceries and whatnot, you buy that and that's the, the stuff that you consume, what are you actually benefiting from that? You're reading, right? You're applying the skill of reading, but mm-hmm. are any further skills developing? So just going back to the content issue. Right. Whereas if you read something that was more of a textbook per se, you were learning so much more. And if it's engaging enough and holds you, then then it, it's it's that reading is now more powerful. So it's just a matter of content. I find. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's perfectly fine. That's why I've got the, the podcast is to have a conversation. The conversation goes both ways. Uh, what are some of the trends in kids' mental health that you're noticing being more involved in the field than in myself or some of the other listeners who, again, might not have kids or aren't as plugged in as you are? Uh, now, <laughs> it's actually... It's actually heartbreaking. And I think COVID has really exacerbated some of these issues. Um, for example, isolation and loneliness for anyone is hard, but especially for a child who's in formative years, those social skills are critical. And so there you'll find increased loneliness and isolation bullying hasn't gone away because kids aren't in school it's now just moved online you and that's an increasing trend 
suicide rates, uh, anxiety. Uh, and um, unfortunately, while it is a benefit to happy and healthy health households to be able to spend more time with your child on the opposite end, if you're in an abusive household and you don't have school or extracurricular programs to go to anymore, you are just sitting in a household of abuse all the time with no way to escape. Mm -hmm. And that is increasing. And you'll see it on in reports that kids help phone, for example, has a surge of calls, crisis lines, surge of calls uh, for adults. And then, and, and so, but additionally, the resources available, so from an insider perspective for children are super limited. Try and find a child psychologist in Ontario. You'll find a very minimal amount with a huge wait list. And so you'll find that children just sort of slip through the, the cracks through the nest for the, to access these services and, and, and needs. And it's really um, a real shame. But I think people sort of feel powerless in this. But citizens, average citizens, average Joes and Janes have so much power. And what you and I have talked about it, the, the individual, well, the power of an individual, but then even further, the power of a group. Mm -hmm. So, for example... Like you could talk to your minister of provincial parliament, or you could talk to your um, minister of parliament. And you can ask for more funding, and there, there are Pete, there there are positions out there. The chair of ministry of social services and childcare, right? That 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 is a department in our provincial government. You can contact your local MPP or MP. So federal or the provincial level, and you can advocate for more services. You can, and additionally, you can donate to Kids Help Online or local youth services organizations, or you can just even be a mentor or an eye for the local kid out there. I, I had this one story that was really heartbreaking as a lifeguard, and I was working in this low-income neighborhood in Ottawa, as a lifeguard and this this father came with two boys and they came and they swim in the pool etc etc and then the father and one boy started to leave the pool I'm like hey where are you going little jimmy's still here and he's like that's not my kid he sees us going to the pool and he comes running out of his home and walks with us all the way here and later on, I found that there was a community uh, the, through a community leader in that, in that neighborhood that uh, little Jimmy's mom uh, had a, a, an addiction and he was sort of just left to fend for himself. And, and this child was maybe under seven years old and he's walking himself through the neighborhood 
just to go to the pool and, and have some joy. But the, the father that just had no judgment, didn't send him away, allowed, gave him that child the opportunity. And, and I believe that you can do that as an individual. It will make all the difference in, in that child's life. You don't have to volunteer for big brothers, big sisters to be a mentor or something like that. You can, you can step outside your door and you can talk to those. Like there, there are parents and whatnot that are exhausted right now. Or maybe you have somebody in your own household, right? You can, you can offer that support mm-hmm. and, and you can make that difference in that child's life. But I think people need to realize their, their ability to make change, make advocacy. And mm-hmm. th- so we, we can re- reverse all of these trends, e- even in physical fitness with children. Or you will increase mood, you will increase happiness, you will increase cognitive ability. Even it, like you decide to just, like that father, take the kid to the pool. Um, so once again, like personal power, it's, it's out there. It's yours. Go claim it. For sure. I think people take, uh, take voting for granted. It's, and it's not your, your civic duty really isn't done with the vote. If you see other problems, contact the people that have been voted in office because they're working for you. And like you said, contact your local member of parliament, your local member of provincial parliament. Um, even your city councillor is elected by you. And uh, especially a city councillor should should have their ear to the ground in your community and they should have your community. Um, they should be looking out for your community specifically because you voted for them. And typically city council doesn't have a lot of really, um, it's not like a federal election that has all the, all the votes go into it. So one single person calling into your city councilor saying, Hey, I want more of service X, Y, and Z. If you have enough of them um, and it doesn't take that many, this, the councilor should be listening because pissing off one person is a quick way to get a hundred people hearing why they should not be voting for you. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. People have the power. Uh, I think I've talked to you about this before. It starts with, um, starts with your own house, get your house in order, get your community in order get your city in order, get your province in order, then you can tackle the country, then you can tackle the world after that. But if, you're, uh, if your room's a mess, you, it makes it very difficult to try to fix anything else. So you love reading <laughs> as much as me. Uh, what, uh, are you reading any good books now? Have you just finished any books with some great ideas? Um, do you have any recommendations on books? Oh, man, recommendations. Oh, uh, give me a second. Just a library card. <laughs> the recommendation is a library card and go read everything you can find. Well, yes, absolutely. Like, um, so I, I finished recently a stress test by Timothy F. Geithner. Uh, so he was the guy that steered America sort of out of a out of the 2008 housing crisis and it's an interesting read about politics and the bureaucracy and somebody that's trying to just do the best for people and from that point 
and every book sort of just takes you on a, on a different idea or a different journey, if you will. So now I'm currently reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama. And I'm, I'm listening to it because I have um, these commutes uh, to, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in my car a lot. And so it just gives me a great opportunity to just, you know, stop the, the radio commercials and ads and stuff like that. And just listen to somebody that's run a, a superpower for eight years. And, uh, and, and hear that perspective of somebody that has gone, like you said, from managing their house to managing their community, to managing their state or area, to managing their country and the, the skills and the responsibility and uh, the lessons learned, I, I think, are, are invaluable and that everyone should pick up any book because even if it's nonfiction, sorry, sorry, even if it's fiction, you will still perceive from an emotional intelligence perspective. You will put yourself in that fictional character's viewpoint. And it will increase your own emotional intelligence. And so that, that is the, the power of reading. And however you want to go about it and, and learn it, it has tremendous benefits. So, however, what would I recommend to somebody? I think Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, is what I would recommend. It sounds like a lesson in mindfulness, and a lot of it is a bit heady in, in that regard, but it really pushes you to realize that all that matters is what you do in this exact moment. Further, if you want to find purpose. I think Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning is a beautiful, beautiful, well-written book that people should read when they're feeling lost and without perspective. Um, side note, um, after, or sorry, before reading Viktor Frankl's book, I listened to uh, The Bravest Volunteer, and it was about a, a Polish... Um, commander who went into a Nazi camp, I think it was Auschwitz, and created a resistance army within the camp and smuggled goods and food and rations and supplies for those in the camp. And he created this, this network that eventually was able to tell the world what was going on at these camps. But they all had a common theme that these people looked inside themselves in that exact moment, they did what they could in that here, in that now, despite overwhelming odds and intolerable circumstances. And I, and I think that right now, that whatever you book you choose to pick up, it even will, it will help you with your current situation. Even just to slow down, take a minute, and chill out in this hectic and 
increasingly chaotic world right now. That's that's a benefit. So I, I would I could go on, Ryan, for hours and hours about about the power of, of reading and how much it will help you. And it's it's helped me in in some of like the like I, literally life or death situations. I go back and I can re- like literally retrace what book helped me perform and do this thing that was the difference in, in a particular situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, those, those, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle and man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. I think those, those would be my biggest recommendations given our current climate. Perfect. Thank you, Zach. Um, with that, I think that's a good place to end the very first podcast with someone else talking on it that I've, that I've done. Um, I'm sure there'll be things to iron out as, as we go, like I said, uh, last episode. Um, thank you though, Zach. It, it was greatly appreciated for you to uh, jump into this with me kind of as my first test subject. And I'm sure I'm going to have you back just to discuss anything and everything like we've done in the past. Um, sometimes those calls have gone for like three, four hours. It starts at like seven o'clock. Next thing you know, it's almost midnight. Yeah. Um, but thank you. thank you for for taking the time out of your day to uh, to talk to us. But I mean, a lot of it um, might not might not make sense for some people because they don't have kids. But I think it's good to keep in the back of your head anyway because. I mean, you don't need to know how to change a flat tire until you have a flat tire. So very similar. You don't really, you might not think you need to, uh, need to know what to do to kind of help raise kids until you have a kid. And then you're glad that you know how to do it. Um, so thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And, and if anything, if you find yourself with a young parent or whatnot that has a child that is um, in need, like, you now have a bit more knowledge that there are services out there to, to help. Um, additionally, uh, you can find our organization at horizonsbehaviorconsulting.com. And we actively are accepting clients. And uh, yeah, so even if, if that, that gets through to some parent in need and where we can make a difference for them, then that, that there's benefit in that. Uh, so thank you, Ryan, for the for the opportunity to share one of my stories <laughs> with you and uh, and uh, keeping my tangent about reading and, and uh, children's mental health uh, very uh, more concise because I could I could definitely I could go on rants and I could go on rants. So uh, hopefully you'll have me back, uh, <laughs> and I'm happy to even not just be the the first test subject for a coffee with Ryan. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, we'll be back next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to my first podcast of coffee chats with Ryan. Zach was a great guest uh, after the podcast gave him a call and we talked a little bit more. Um, so he did mention the stories that he has or the, the situations that he's been in where he found that the books that he's read kind of gave him 
bit of insight to get out of these life or death situations. So I know some of the stories he's talking about, and I am definitely going to have him back on the podcast uh, to talk about those specifically because uh, that man is quite the storyteller. We'll have a campfire storytelling session um, and hopefully get him to sit down and kind of spill the beans on a couple of them. He's, he's, he's got some, some interesting tidbits to share. So thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in. I really appreciate it and have a great week. Bye.